welcome to the Hope City Church podcast. We're so excited for you to listen along and hear this week's message. We pray it inspires and motivates and draws you closer to Jesus. Let's take a listen. Last week, if you were here, who was here last week? Praise Jesus. Last week, we talked about five hallmarks of our house, and we talked about things that I believe that God was saying were going to be a hallmark or a fingerprint or a characteristic of Hope City Church. And, you know, it's not uncommon for me, even before I preach, like today, before I get up and I'm coming to church and preach at the 9 o'clock service, it's not uncommon for me to already have my heart and mind towards the following week about what God is wanting to say and what he's going to want to do. And, and you know, like, as you, as you grow up and you become, a, like, say you become a pastor like me or a preacher, then you know that, like, every Sunday you got to have something new to say. And so my mind and my ear is always turned towards the Spirit of God because I always want to make sure that I'm saying and doing what he wants to say and do. And so last Sunday, uh, I just felt like the Lord said, you know what, we talked about these five hallmarks. Now what I want you to do is we're going to go back, and for the next five weeks, we're going to spend a week on each hallmark and talk about what that looks like for us as a church what that means for us practically as a church, what that means for us as believers, as individuals, how, you know, we talked about, we're going to talk about today, the first one was a house that uncompromisingly seeks God. So today we're going to talk about what that looks like for us as people of God. What does it look like to uncompromisingly seek God? What does it look like to seek God uh, to begin with? You know, what does that look like in my life? When somebody says, see God, we all have filters in our own life. When, when somebody talks to us and we have a conversation with somebody and they could be saying something one way, but because of the filters in our own heart and our life and our own ears, we receive it another way sometimes, don't we? That's, that's people 101. How many times you had a conversation with somebody and they're just sharing the news with you and you leave and you're like, I am so offended at that person. Why? Did you hear what that person said? Yeah, they told you it was raining outside. No, that's not what they said. They may have said those words, but what they really meant was this. You're like, you're crazy, man. What are you talking about? But we all have filters, and so when somebody says we're going to seek God, you may think instantly like, okay, well, that just means this. To seek God means we're going to do this, or it looks like this, or to seek God means that the pastor or the, 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 the leaders of the church, they're going to seek God, and we get to come along for the ride. Or my parents are going to seek God, and I just get to come along for the benefits and the ride. But we're going to look in the Word of God together and see what seeking God corporately as individuals and as people looks like for us. Amen? Now, I want to encourage you, I want to, uh, maybe encourage isn't the right word. I want to remind you of something. I want you to be aware of something, okay? Now listen, when the Spirit of God comes and says, okay, I want to do something. I want to, I want to begin to move in your midst. I want to begin to do something in the city of Abbotsford. I want to begin to do something in your church. You know, we all know that the enemy, the devil, doesn't like that, right? And so what he tries to do is he comes to try and find a way to stop what the Spirit of God is wanting to do and accomplish, you know? He'll come and say, God says, I want to do this. I want to do this in you. I want to do this through you. I want to do this in the city of Abbotsford. I want to do this in the province of B.C. I want to do this in the nation of Canada. And then he says, I don't want that to happen. So I'm going to do everything I can to stop that. And so something I have learned is this, is that when God says that he wants to do something, the enemy comes and tries to stop it. And if you look in the Word of God, you will find that the language of the kingdom of God is based in unity and in love. You know, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12 that a kingdom divided against itself will not stand, right? 
So you can't have a team or a group of people or a congregation moving together in the things of God that are split or split into factions. Like there's a group over here, there's a group here, there's a group here. You can't move forward into what God has for you when you're all split and divided. In fact, he says, a kingdom like that will fall apart. And that's what the enemy loves to do. When God says, I want to work, I want to move, the enemy comes and says, great, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get so-and-so to go against so-and-so and begin to get mad about because they said it was raining outside. I'm going to put a crazy thought in that person's head and think that the rain meant something else, and they're going to draw this crazy conclusion, go split the church apart. Now, I'm not saying this is happening. I'm wanting to tell you this to be aware so that when conversations come to you, you can begin to use your own spiritual goggles and spiritual lenses and put on your own ears and listen. If you're having a conversation with somebody and the enemy's gonna wanna try and stop what God is doing, so you need to be aware if somebody comes to you and they begin to using language that is divisive, that is not in love, that isn't of God, you need to begin to correct that language. You need to begin to remove yourself. Don't partake in it. Don't join into it. Say, you know what? This is not a great conversation. This isn't a Jesus conversation. Remind yourself that Jesus is with you everywhere you go. You know, a lot of us would talk different if you remembered that Jesus is literally standing right here when you're having a conversation with somebody else. I hate that person. So do I. Did you see what they were wearing yesterday? Oh, my gosh. Jesus, what do you think about it? I love that person. I love their outfit. Me too, Jesus. I'm so sorry. I'm so wrong. It is a, oh, for sure it's accurate. It's 100% accurate. Listen, I, maybe, maybe I'm going off on a tangent, and that's okay. You know, Acts chapter 2 talks about how when they were in, in, all together in one place, in one accord, is when the Spirit of God fell. Right, And so I'm just telling you this because I believe, and, and if you've been here for any time, amount at all, you can probably sense that the Spirit of God is moving and wanting to do something. Amen? And so I want us to be aware so that the enemy doesn't get a foothold, so the enemy doesn't find a crack and begin to work his way in like you see those little grass shoots that grow through the cracks in the concrete and eventually break it apart. We want God to do all that God wants to do. And so we are going to be vigilant and guarding the kingdom of God. We're going to guard his church. We're going to guard his brothers and sisters in Christ so that we all say the same thing, so that we all move where God has called us to go. Amen? So if you find yourself in a conversation, it's really simple. Just ask yourself, is this conversation a conversation that unifies or divides? Is this conversation a conversation that is rooted and grounded in love? Or is this a conversation where somebody is trying to get me on their side? If somebody's side that they're trying to get you on is not the Lord's side, get off of that side. Get yourself back over to the Lord's side. Whew, that's some good stuff. That was all for free. Come on, babe. Jaden, restart the clock. <laughs> See, it's good to laugh in church, right? And the anointing's still here. Do you feel it? Yes. Um, I was thinking actually about this very thing that um, Pastor Jake's talking about, and I actually wrote, if anyone follows me on social media, you know, late at night I usually get on my rants, my intense rants, and sorry, not sorry. But um, in Hebrews 12, 15, and actually um, there was a word for this for all of us. It says, watch over each other to make sure that no one misses the revelation of God's grace and make sure that no one lives with a root of bitterness 
sprouting within them, which will only cause trouble and poison into the hearts of many. Amen? And then I wrote this. I said, be careful out of your own hurt that you have not surrendered to Jesus. I've been that person before, and maybe you have too. That you unknowingly lead people astray or perhaps justify to yourself why. Offense will do this. Bitterness will do this. Bad attitudes can do this. Undoubt with hurt can do this. Rebellion can do this. Unforgiveness will do this. And then I said, bitter waters will taste sweet for a season, church, but then the enemy will rise up and get you. And then the scripture here in Matthew 16, 18, I'm just going to read the last one, okay? Um, Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell cannot conquer it, amen? And then I wrote here, Jesus builds his church as the local church is coming back into its place of identity. The enemy is not loving it, okay? He's not loving it, and he's trying to push back. Church, we must be discerning, especially next gen. Be careful of weak people. The enemy will send your way to try and separate you from the local church. Discernment and vigilance is so needed this season. The apostle Paul warned warned us of this and said to the local church, beware of false prophets and teachers. The enemy will try to divide and conquer, which often starts out innocently. He has three tactics. That's it to steal, kill, and destroy, okay? And so we know, we've been taught well in this house that steal is from the Greek word kleptos, okay? A kleptomaniac isn't someone just that just steals. They can steal something from you and you're not even aware of it. Um, but like Pastor Jake said, God and his kingdom will always bring unity of the spirit, peace, and reconciliation to his sheep for his greater plans and purposes. You know, and I've been caught up in those conversations. And you know, as a young person, it's like, you don't want to challenge the conversation. You're like, well, I'm just going to like quietly walk away from this because I don't know what to do. Or we'll, we'll either engage, quietly walk away, or confront. And I'll tell you, as a young person, I remember being confronted by this one person. She was an older person, okay? Because we're supposed to, young people, we're supposed to treat older women as mothers, right? And mothers, we're supposed to teach, teach young girls, right? Like, like daughters. And she said, you know what? Actually, what you're saying is gossip, and it's not right. And I just was like, oh. (laughs) And you know what? The conviction of the Holy Spirit came into my spirit so strong. The fear of the Lord came upon me. And you know what? I'm not saying I've never done that again, but I've definitely thought twice before I did that, you know? So I just want to encourage you guys. Like, I think this is a word from the Spirit of God for all of us, you know? And, And we're not wicked. Sometimes we can just be weak. But God is doing something in his church, and we need to be aware, like, like Jesus saying to Peter, upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So we got to be dis- discerning. So I just want to encourage you, like, if you get caught up in those conversations, you know, don't, like, don't be jerk alert about it, but let's hold each other accountable, like Hebrews talked about. Amen? Hold it and be like, you know what? You sound a little bit hurt. Let's pray about it, or let's talk about it. Look at it in the word. Amen? Good. It's good. Stay together in unity. Stay together. Let's, let's be unified about the Lord and his house and his work, and let's just let him do what he wants to do. Amen? Second Chronicles chapter 15. Did I tell you to go there? Okay, we'll go there. Let's go there together. Second Chronicles chapter 15. This is where we jumped off last week. This is our passage of scripture from last week about the five hallmarks of our house. I want to remind you that a hallmark is a characteristic or a fingerprint is a good way to put it. And so these are going to be five things that our house is going to be known for. And so today we're going to talk about a house that is uncompromisingly seeking the Lord. So 2 Chronicles chapter 15, 
the prophet of the Lord came, Azariah came, and he was speaking to King Asa. And in verse 2, he said, the Lord will stay with you as long as you stay with him. Whenever you seek him, you'll find him. Then in verse 12, he says, then they entered into a covenant to seek the Lord their God of their ancestors with all their heart and soul. And in verse 15, it says, all in Judah were happy about this. Say happy. Happy about this covenant, for they had entered into it with all their heart. Now, come on now. This is what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about a church that uncompromisingly seeks the Lord. Now, these people, the children of Israel here, this is how they sought the Lord. Everybody say verse, first, say, say verse 2. Yeah, and then say, then say whenever. They sought the Lord. The Bible says, listen, you will find him whenever you seek him. Whenever you seek him. We talked about this last week. When's whenever? But when is whenever? It's whenever. It, it, it answers its own self, doesn't it? Whenever is whenever. There is no, whenever is literally like now. It's in 10 seconds from now. It's 20 seconds from now. It's 30 seconds ago from yesterday. That sentence doesn't make sense. It's okay. Don't pay attention to it. Whenever is whenever. Whenever you seek God, you will find him. Now, what was the children of Israel's posture in seeking the Lord? What did it look like for them? Look at this in verse 12. It says, then they entered into a covenant to seek the Lord their God of their ancestors with all their heart and soul. And verse 15 says they were happy about it. These people were all in and they were happy about it. Nobody dragged them to church. Nobody said, get up, it's time to get out of bed. We're going to go praise the Lord. They said, I don't want to. Can't we have a 1 o'clock service instead of an 11 o'clock service? Because that's too early too. No, they got up. They were happy about it. It was driving them. It was their passion because they were doing it with all of their heart and soul. Now listen. If you have a New King James version of the Bible, in verse 15 it says, all in Judah were happy about this covenant, it says in the New Living. But the New King James uses the word oath. And an oath was an unbreakable agreement. So the children of Israel entered into a contract that could not be broken where they said, we're going to seek God with all that we got. Anybody want to enter that contract? You want to make that contract? <laughs> You're like, uh, I know the answer is yes, but I don't know if I want to say it out loud. They, they did it with all their heart, with all their strength. They're like, this is who we are. I am all in. Have you ever met anybody who was all in on something in your life? You know, like whether it was like a movie or a hobby. You ever meet somebody who was all in with like one of those weird hobbies? You know, like I just love making puppets. You're like, oh, really? Puppets, you say. I didn't know that was a thing. Oh, it's a thing. There's a whole, like, a whole community of puppet makers. Listen, you've got to come with me. It's going to change your life. Like, no, I'm okay. No, listen. Listen, I have, like, the greatest puppet maker that you don't even know. But if you go to this guy, he will change your life. He will take whatever puppet you have in your mind, and he will create this puppet into a real thing, and it will change the way you look at life. And they are all in, and they don't stop talking about it. Hey, how was your weekend? Oh, good. I went to PuppetCon 27. Do you know who was there? Franz Flingelhoff with his magical puppets. You're like, no, I don't want to talk about this guy anymore. And they just don't quit talking. People that are all in are all in. 
We're going to be a house of God that is so all in with God that it becomes all consuming, that we love Jesus, that we love his house, and that wherever we go and whoever we encounter, we're talking about Jesus. So they see you coming, they go, oh man, here comes so-and-so. They sure love the Lord. And listen, they're going to think maybe like, that's a slam, like Jacob loves Jesus. But for us, we're like, yes. We're known as people who love the Lord and who seek God and who seek his house and want to be in his presence night and day because we've made a contract and we're happy about it. We enjoy it. We desire it. Nobody dragged me here. My mom didn't make me come. My grandpa didn't make me come. My uncle and aunt didn't make me come. My brother didn't make me come to church. I came to church myself because I know something happens when I get in the presence of the Lord. I know something happens when I go to church. The Bible says where two or three are gathered in his name, that he's right there in the middle of us. And so I know if I can just get to church, that Jesus is going to show up. And I know that if I just get into the presence of Jesus, my life will change. Well, I was excited about that. So, whenever you seek the Lord. I, lo- I love verse 2. Whenever you seek him, you'll find him. It's like the Lord is just really bad at playing hide and seek. You ever play hide and seek with somebody and they're really good at it and you can never find them? It's like when you're playing with a child. We've all done this probably. You close your eyes, count to ten. You open your eyes and the person is just standing there with their, head, with their face covered. Just waiting for you to find them. That's what the Lord is like. Whenever you seek him, he's right there. He's not hiding on you. He's not saying, you got to come find me. I I got a really good hiding spot you're never going to guess. And you're going to walk around for hours until you finally say, forget it. This guy is too good at hiding. I can't find him. God is right there. Whenever you seek him, you will find him. Whenever you need to be in his presence, you will find him and be in his presence, transformed and changed because of the work of Jesus on the cross. Whenever you need it. Noah, whenever you need it, man. Whenever you need it, you can seek him and you can find him. Because he's like, I'm the world's worst hide-and-seek player. Boom, here I am. Come on in. Now, let's go to Psalm chapter 24. I want to show you something here. Psalm chapter 24. We're going to read verses 1 to 6 together. And uh, this is a great passage of Scripture. And this is a good picture for us, we're going to look at, about what it looks like to seek God. Uh, David wrote this psalm, and in verse 1 of chapter 24, it says, The earth is the Lord's, and everything in it, and the world and all its people belong to him. In case you ever forgot, you ever wondering who all this stuff belonged to, it's all God's. For he laid the earth's foundations on the seas, and he built it on the ocean depths. Who may climb the mountain of the Lord and who may stand in his holy place? Verse 4 says, the answer to that question of who may do it. The answer is, only those whose hands and hearts are pure, who do not worship idols and never tell lies. Verse 5 says, they will receive the Lord's blessing and have a right relationship with God their Savior. Now verse 6 says, such people may seek you And worship in your presence, O God of Jacob. I want to read verse 6 to you in the Amplified Translation because it's so good. Verse 6 says it this way. This is the generation of those who diligently seek him and require him as their greatest need. 
who seek your face, even as did Jacob. I love the phrase where it says, they require him as their greatest need. Many of us have great needs in our life, don't we? Does anybody here have a need in their life? A capital N need? And all caps needs in your life where you're like, this is so great in my life that it's not just good enough for one capital letter. I'm capitalizing every letter in this word. I'm underlining this word three times and I'm putting 17 exclamation points after the need in my life. Anybody got those? Mm -hmm. This says right here in verse 6 in the Amplified that we require him, that we seek him and require him as our greatest need. Why is that? Because his name is greater than any other name that you could ever come up with. Because the needs that you have in your life, the name of Jesus is greater than those needs. Because whatever need you have can be found, the answer can be found in his presence. And so it's talking about Jacob who sought God because the need in his life was so bad and so great that he had to run to God to get the answer for that need in his life. And it's talking about we're going to be a generation that seeks God just like Jacob did. Now the question is, hmm, that's a great reference. What exactly does that look like? How exactly did Jacob seek the Lord in such a great way? I'm so glad you all asked that question. We're going to go to Genesis chapter 20 or 32 and look at this together. Genesis chapter 32. We're going to pick up this story in the middle of um, a longer story. I was telling people in the first service that I've always had like an interest in Jacob in the Bible. Um, my parents, before I was born, my mom will tell you that the Lord told her to name me Jacob. And I never understood why. I could never figure it out. For a long time, I struggled with why am I named Jacob? Why did, because it wasn't like they, they just picked the name Jacob and thought this was a great name. Let's name, let's name our kid Jacob. I like that name. I like how it sounds. I like how many syllables it is. Whatever, you know, however we pick names out. It wasn't like that. It was the Lord came and told my mom, name your son Jacob. And so for a long time, I really struggled trying to figure out why would God say to name me Jacob? Because all that I really understood in my younger years and age about Jacob was that his name meant that he was a deceiver. The, the actual translation is a supplanter or a heel holder because when he came out of the womb with his twin Esau, the Bible says that he was hanging on to Esau's foot. Right? And so they called him a heel holder, a supplanter, a deceiver. And if you look in Jacob's life in his younger years, Jacob was always kind of working the angles, right? Like, I mean, he was kind of a sneaky sneak. And then he stole his brother's inheritance, the birthright. His mom helped him, and he dressed up and put animals fur on his, on his arms and legs because his dad was blind, and he snuck in to go see his dad pretending to be his brother. This is a sneaky thing to do. Listen, guys, let's just be real for a minute. There are, like, I hope when we get to heaven, there is, like, instant replay or, like, something so that we can see what these stories look like. Because for me, mentally, the picture of a man dressed with, like, animal fur wrapped around him, tricking his blind dad so his dad would think that it was his other son. Like, uh, what does that even look like? And so he, he, he was sneaky, and he went in there, and 
He stole his brother's birthright, which was the inheritance that the oldest, the firstborn was supposed to get. And so he stole it. And then his brother Esau found out about it, was furious, was like, I'm going to kill you. Jacob runs off. And then he hasn't seen his brother for 20 years. He goes off. He gets married. He's got to work for his uncle. You know, the whole story with like the, his first wife. And he got tricked into like marrying the oldest daughter. He thought it was the one he wanted, but it wasn't the right wife. And he had to work more years and more years. He ended up working for his uncle for 20 years. And then that didn't go well because sometimes in-law relationships don't always go well, right? Nobody? Everybody's, everybody's in-laws are great. Praise Jesus. Praise, praise the Lord. God is just at work everywhere. And so, anyways, apparently in Jacob's life, it didn't work out the way that it was supposed to all the time. And so Jacob runs away, and, and uh, he kind of sneaks off again. He sneaks off in the middle of the night, packs up his whole family. And at this time, Jacob, it's not like, it's not like there's five of them. Like there was a lot of people and there was a lot of sheep and there was a lot of livestock and a lot of servants and a lot of kids. And Jacob packs them up all in the middle of the night and they sneak off. And three days later, uh, his father-in-law finally realizes that Jacob has like peaced out and taken his wives, and which are his uncle's daughters and grandkids, and has taken them. And so his father-in-law chases him down to go find out what's going on. And he finally shows up and Jacob and his father-in-law have kind of this like showdown argument between like, father-in-law and son-in-law and like why are you chasing me why did you why did you take off in the middle of the night and they have this conflict and they, and they resolve it and God tells his father-in-law that he can't do anything against Jacob he's got to love him basically and keep his hands off of him and they make they make this covenant together and everybody goes off on their own way and they're happy but then Jacob gets news that his brother who he hasn't seen in 20 years and the last time he saw his brother his brother was basically saying I'm going to kill you his brother finds out that Jacob is coming and his brother is on his way to come meet him, not just by himself. He's not just rolling up in an Escalade all along with tinted windows. He's showing up with 400 soldiers, apparently, to come out and find his brother who ticked him off and stole from him 20 years earlier. And so Jacob is scared. So Jacob just dealt with his father-in-law and the family issues over there. And then all of a sudden he finds out more family problems are coming at it from this side. Does anybody ever have family problems like this? Do you understand? Can you, can you relate to Jacob and his story? Everybody's like, yes, I can. <laughs> I can't say it out loud because the person is here with me, but I understand what you're talking about. <laughs> Just, I'm nodding at you, Pastor, but don't tell my family. <laughs> so in Genesis chapter 32, we pick up the story here. And in verse 22 of chapter 32, We're going to look at a couple things here. We're we're talking about what does it look like when Psalm 24, 6 said that we're a generation that is going to seek God like Jacob did. We're looking at what does that look like. When When David wrote it and said, we're going to seek him like Jacob did, the answer, we're answering the question is what does that look like? What is that reference to and how are we seeking God? Because we're going to be a church. We're going to be people. We're going to be individuals. We're going to be families who seek God like this uncompromisingly where we are pursuing God. And so we need to know what this reference is talking about. So in chapter 32, verse 22, says this. During the night, Jacob got up and took his two wives his two servant wives, and his 11 sons and crossed the Jabbok River with them. After taking them to the other side, he sent over all of his possessions. Verse 24 says, This left Jacob all alone in the camp, 
and a man came and wrestled with him until the dawn began to break. Now, just so we're all on the same page here, this isn't some random dude who has just showed up in the middle of the night looking for a random wrestling match, okay? This isn't some weirdo. It's not like pre-John the Baptist who lived in the desert and wore a camel's cloak and ate honey and locusts. This is, when the Bible's talking about this, this is the pre-incarnate Jesus. This is the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you have a New King James translation or maybe an ESV, probably the New American Standard, it will capitalize the words talking about man and he in this next few verses together, letting us know that this is the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not just some random stranger. Okay, so it says in verse 24, this left Jacob alone in the camp, and a man came and wrestled with him until the dawn began to break. When the man saw that he would not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of his socket. Then the man said, let me go. The sun's coming up. I got to go. I got to get out of here. The day is breaking. Jacob said, I'm not going to let you go unless you bless me. What audacity. I love this guy. I'm not going to let you go unless you bless me. He says, what's your name, the man asked. Jacob. Your name will no longer be Jacob, the man told him. From now on, you will be called Israel because you have fought with God and with men and have won. Let's just pause for a moment and think about this story practically. I do love this story. I was telling people in the first service that I love this picture and I love this story because in my mind, uh, I always think of... and. This will probably change when I get to heaven and I can really see how this played out. But in my mind, I always picture uh, a child and an adult wrestling and playing. And that moment in time when a young child comes and sits right down on your foot. And then you are walking around with this kid on your foot. You know what I'm talking about? Who's been here? And then at some point you're like, okay, that was fun. Get off my foot. I have things to go do now. And the child just thinks it's amazing, thinks it's the best thing ever as you walk around and you're lifting them up and they're, they're giggling and they're laughing and they're hanging on tighter than you can imagine. And then you start trying to peel them off. And as you try peeling them off, the child is just like grabbing your leg and you get one hand off and they wrap another leg around. You don't know where this other leg comes from, but they find it somewhere. They wrap it around you like an octopus and they're hanging on tighter than you can imagine. This is how I picture this scenario. Jacob and the Lord wrestling. And the Lord is saying, get off of me. I got to go. The, the day's breaking. It's time to go. I got to get on with some stuff here. And Jacob is just wrapped around the Lord, sitting on his leg, wrapped tight around. And he's saying, get off of me. And Jacob says, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. This is how Jacob sought the Lord. When it says we're going to be a generation that seek him, that seek your face, oh God of Jacob, that's the new King James. When it's talking about that, it's talking about a people that are so passionately consumed with pursuing the presence of God that they are stuck to him like glue. And the Lord's saying, you got to go. It's time for you to scrape off my leg. I got some things I got to go do. And you're saying, I'm not letting go until you bless me. I need you so bad in my life. I have such needs in my life. I'm in such despair. I'm in such brokenness. I'm in such hurt. My family is falling apart. I'm not letting go until you bless me. This is what it's talking about. These are the people that are seeking God like Jacob did. And we're going to be people that seek God just like this. 
that seek him, that seek his face, that seek his presence. We're not going to be casual church-going Christians. We're not going to be Sunday morning Christians where the only time we open our Bible is when we get together and I say, open your Bible to this chapter or verse. We're not going to be people that the only time we raise our hands and praise the Lord is when we gather at church and Pastor Jenny's on the piano and says, raise your hands, put your hands down, raise your hands. That's not going to be the only time we're praising the Lord. We're going to raise our hands every day of the week. Because like it said in 2 Chronicles, it says, whenever you seek the Lord, you will find him. And I don't know about your life, but I need to seek the Lord. I need to find the Lord more than just Sunday morning between 9 and 1 p.m. I need God to work in my life more than that four-hour window of time once a week. Do you know what I'm talking about? I need God to work in my life on Monday, on Tuesday, on Wednesday, Thursday morning at 4 o'clock in the morning. I need God to work in my life. Friday night at 8.37 p.m., I need God to work in my life. Saturday at 12.03 in the afternoon, I need God to work in my life. And so I'm going to be a person, we're going to be a church that passionately seeks God in his presence like Jacob, where we grab onto his leg and hang on until he says, you got to go. And we say, I'm not letting go until you bless me. I'm not letting go until you meet those needs in my life. I'm not letting go until you do in my life what only you can do. I want to show you now, as I was getting ready for this, there was three things that I felt like prophetically the Lord was saying to some people in our house, that some people needed to hear some of these things. So, I want you to look with me quickly in verse 27. The Lord and Jacob are wrestling. Verse 27, the Lord says, what's your name? And then Jacob replies, and he says, Jacob, because that's my name. This is, my, this is who I am, Jacob. And the Lord says, your name will no longer be Jacob, the man told him. From now on, you will be called Israel because you have fought with God and with men and have won. I want to tell somebody here today that God is renaming some of you. There are people here in this place where you have identified with your past, where you have identified with who you were in the past, where you're like, yes, I was a supplanter. I was a heel holder. I was a deceiver. This is my name. But God is saying, I'm no longer calling you that anymore. That's no longer who you were. Do not let your past define your future. Do not hang on to your past because for some of you today, I'm giving you a new name and I'm saying, this is who I see you as. This is who I created you as. So I want you to quit calling yourself that old thing. I want you to quit hanging on to those old ways. I want you to quit hanging on to those family roots because I'm giving you a new history. I'm giving you a new future. I'm giving you new life. So I want you to begin to call yourself and I want you to begin to see yourself the way that I see you. And I see you like this. When God says something to you, when God says, I see you this way, Don't you dare say, no, you're wrong. My family past is stronger than you. You don't know my history. You don't know the legacy of my family. You don't know the brokenness of my family. You don't know the sickness in my family. When God says, this is who I see you as, when God says, this is who I created you as, and I want you to begin to define yourself by how I see you, you say, yes, sir. Because your ways are higher. Your thoughts are better. And that may be true, that may be my past, but thank God he's setting us free and taking us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. 
So when God says he's got a new name for you, you say, I'll take it. Yes, sir, I'll take it. You can call me whatever you want, and I will begin to define myself by how you say I am. I'm not going to no longer define myself by my brokenness. I'm not going to define myself by my sins. I'm not going to define myself by my hurt. I'm going to define myself by who you say that I am. The next thing we see here is this. He says, please tell me your name, Jacob said in verse 29. He says, what do you want to know my name? The man replied. And then he blessed Jacob there. Listen, if you need blessing in your life, you're going to find the blessings that you need, the blessings that you require to overcome those needs in your life. Where are you going to find it? You're going to find it in the presence of God. So you crack open that Bible, like 2 Chronicles 5 says, whenever you need to find God, you can seek him and find him. Whatever you're going through, whatever you're dealing with, when you go into the presence of God, there is blessing there. There is life there. There is wholeness there. I want to tell somebody today, there is victory in the presence of Jesus Christ. There is healing in the presence of Jesus Christ. And you say, yeah, he can heal my cold. He can heal my, my headache. But God wants to go beyond your cold and your headache, and he wants to heal your heartache. God wants to heal your brain aches. God wants to heal your cancer. God wants to heal whatever you need healing in your life, and it's found in his presence. The last thing here is this. In verse chapter 33, Jacob has this encounter with the Lord. The Bible says that he begins to limp because the angel of the Lord touched his leg and it came out of the socket and Jacob limped off into the sunset, I guess the, the sunrise, I guess. And uh, says this in verse 1. I don't know if we have this. Do you have this? You do. Uh, verse 1 of chapter 33 says, Then Jacob looked up and saw Esau coming with his 400 men. So he divided the children among Leah, Rachel, and his two servant wives, and he put the servant wives and their children at the front, Leah and her kids next, <laughs> Rachel and Joseph last. You know, not everybody's perfect, okay? <laughs> we all make mistakes in life. We all, <laughs> Lord, just bless him right now. <laughs> then Jacob went on ahead, and as he approached his brother, he bowed to the ground seven times before him. This is what I want to tell you, because some of you need to hear this today. It says this, then Esau ran to meet him and embraced him. He threw his arms around his neck and kissed him, and they both wept. Listen, when you begin to passionately pursue God, when you uncompromisingly seek God, there is reconciliation in your future. God will take those things that you thought were unrepairable, that were unrestorable, that were unredeemable, and God will begin to work in ways that you never could have imagined. Listen, 20 years previously, the, Jacob and his brother Esau had a terrible falling out. Jacob stole a lot from his brother, but God was able to work something inside of Esau. I don't know how. You don't know how. Only the Lord knows how, but he did something inside of Esau that when they saw each other, there was reconciliation that took place. And some of you today are believing God for your families, you're believing God for repair to take place in your families, you're believing God for restoration to take place there are people that have walked away, there are people that have hardened their hearts, there are people that have turned their backs on the Lord and you are believing God to work in your life and God is saying today when you seek me, when you pursue me like Jacob did, I am working on your behalf, there is blessing in my presence there is life in my presence and I'm going to go before you and I'm going to work in people's hearts and lives that you couldn't even imagine, I'm going to do something that 
that you wouldn't even, if you even tried, you couldn't put this together, God says. I'm going to go before you, and I'm just going to begin to navigate circumstances, and I'm going to take out wicked thoughts, and I'm going to remove those lies that people have allowed in their hearts to make a home, and you watch and see what I'm going to do in your family, because in the name of Jesus, there is reconciliation and restoration taking place in families in this house today in the name of Jesus. Stand up with me. Listen, guys, I want to tell you something. I'm not fooling around. I'm not fooling around. My goal is not to get you to clap and hoot and holler. My goal is not to find something that I think you were going to want to hear. My goal is to say what the Lord is wanting to say. And I believe wholeheartedly with all that I have, with all that I am, that God is wanting to do some mighty, miraculous things in your hearts, in, in all of our hearts, in all of our lives. That God is wanting our house to be a house of testimony of his goodness and of his grace and of his miracle working power. And that begins by a group of people, by individuals that passionately pursue him and his presence. That say, I'm chasing you down. I'm gonna grab onto your leg and I'm not letting go until my needs are met. I'm not letting go until you bless me like Jacob said. I got things in my life that only you can sort out, that only you can fix, that only you can repair. And I'm gonna stay here as long as I gotta stay here because my hope and my trust is in you. It's a new season. I wanna tell you today, it's a new season. It's a season of hope. Yes, it is. The world wants to steal your hope. It wants to make you so sad, so broken, so lonely, full of such despair. But God is saying, I want to bring my hope back to you. The psalm says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Not just hear about it. Not just have a friend's friend who told you about God's goodness. But his desire is that you taste and you see for yourself that God is good. Because when you taste and see for yourself, you can't help but share it with everybody you come in contact with. The goodness of God, his life, his greatness, what he's done for you. And you know that if he did it for me, he wants to do it for others too. Amen. Let's pray together. And here's what I want to pray with all of our eyes closed. The first thing I want to pray for is I want to make sure that everybody in this place has a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you've been listening to me talk today. And as I've spoken, you, number one, you don't have your own relationship with Jesus. You've never had a relationship with Jesus. You've never said, Jesus, I give my life to you. Or you have, but you've walked away from it. You've laid it down. And you're not living the life that you know you are supposed to live or that God desires for you to live. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand and we're all gonna pray together. Because I don't wanna go any further without anybody in this place being in a right relationship with the Lord. 
because of what God wants to do in each and every one of us. All right. Then with our eyes closed, I'm assuming everybody in this place has a relationship with Jesus. Then what I want to pray for next is this. If as I've been speaking today, you're sitting here listening to me talk and you're thinking to yourself, this dude's nuts. I don't have a relationship with Jesus like that. But something deep down inside of you is saying, but I want to have a relationship with Jesus like that. I want to be passionate about Jesus like that. I want to enter a covenant with the Lord where I say to him that I will seek him with all of my heart and my strength and that I'll be happy about it. If that's you, I want you to raise up your hand because we're going to pray and I believe the Spirit of God is going to begin to blow across this place. And He's going to begin to stir up those flames and those embers that were going going to sleep and that were going cold on the inside of us. Just raise those hands up high. Raising your hand is an act of surrender to the Lord. You're saying, I surrender. I surrender. If somebody walked in with a gun, pointed at you, you would raise your hand to the sky and you would say, I surrender. And as we raise our hands, we're saying, Lord, I surrender to you. So, Father, all across this place, God, your word says that you don't look on the outward, but you look on the hearts. So, Father, I thank you right now that you are seeing our hearts, that you are seeing our hands raised, that you are seeing our lives surrendered to you. And, God, you are hearing us say to you, we desire to seek you. We desire to be hungry for you. We desire to thirst for you. And, God, I ask right now that you begin to blow on the cold embers of our heart. Maybe the fires that are beginning to dwindle, maybe the fires that are beginning to go out, God, I ask that by your spirit, you begin to blow on us, that you begin to create a hunger and that you're stirring that that fire into a flame, that it's growing, it's growing, it's growing stronger and hotter. Father, I thank you right now that you're doing a work on the inside of us that only you can do that you are turning our appetites from the things of the old, from the things of the world, to things that maybe are great and fun, but they're not necessarily you. God, and I just thank you that you are changing our hunger, that you are changing our appetite right now, that you are stirring us up for you, that you are causing us to hunger and thirst. You said, Jesus, that if we hunger and thirst after you and your righteousness, we will be filled. So, Father, I ask right now that by your Spirit, you are filling us right now. That you are filling us right now in the name of Jesus. That you are filling us right now in the name of Jesus. That there is hunger rising on the inside of us in the name of Jesus. That there is a passion rising right now on the inside of us in Jesus' name. That it's a supernatural hunger. That it's not something of old. That it's not something our parents had. But it's new and it's our, our, our own and it's lasting, Jesus. You're creating a lasting appetite for you on the inside of us. A fire that cannot be put out, that nobody can put out. Come on. Jesus, we love you. We love you, we love you, we love you. 
Just begin to tell Jesus. Just begin to lift your voice. Begin to tell Jesus you love him. Begin to tell Jesus how thankful you are for what he's doing in your life. Begin to tell him. If you don't have anything else to say, just say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus, for working in my life. Oh, thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for me. Thank you, Jesus, for setting me free. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you are drawn closer to Jesus and that his spirit, his love, and his life are filling you right now. If you'd like more info about who we are and what we're doing at Hope City, head over to hopecitychurch.ca to find out more. And if you liked what you heard, head over to iTunes and rate the podcast to spread the word so others can hear too. And oh, one more thing before we go. We just want to remind you that you were made for hope.